Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and in season two, discuss the future of marketing. Today, I have a very special episode uh, because today is the first time that I've hosted a father and son combo. So Jonah and Jeremiah Wilson run Converza, a SaaS solution that uses speech recognition technology and sophisticated algorithms to gauge, gauge lead quality, measure conversions, and take action with fully baked marketing automation. Welcome, Jonah and Jeremiah. Glad to be here. Thanks, Josh. All the way from Thank Prague. You. Prague and, and Jonah, where are you located today? I am in Utah. Very nice. I will hope to be there in a few months again. Um, But I want to start with Jonah because we actually had very similar jobs at one point, which was door-to-door energy consulting, which I don't think many people can say. Um, And I'll I'll go into kind of my story in a half a second about that. But what did you learn from that job? I think any direct door-to-door high-volume sale is incredibly useful in getting your face kicked in, when especially talking with somebody in their home and you're unexpected for the first time is perhaps the most humbling and uh, uh, fastest learning experience when it comes to getting better at sales. So I I learned my whole basis of sales really came from door-to-door doing that. Dude, that's exactly the same with me. Uh, It was the worst and the best job I've ever had. It was the worst because I I think you lasted there a year. I was there for like three months and I was out of there. Um, but it taught me my entire sales process, which I bring to this day. Like, I, you know, I have this five-step process and they, they ingrained it in our head and everything. So it's, it's really cool to see you kind of say the same thing there. Um, and you also started a marketing agency last year, according to your LinkedIn, at least. Uh, so you can t- tell us a little bit more about that. So that, uh, the marketing agency is really, I uh, started as a marketing intern at Conversa back in 2020, uh, just as an intern. So doing all the, the boring ad hoc tasks. And then I started doing a lot more marketing for Conversa. And so the agency is just the, well, simply I uh, knew a lot from my time as an intern. And this was a chance for me to practice the marketing in Conversa. And I had an agency, but, but really the job was marketing at Conversa. And that was where payment and et cetera went through. So no, that's great. Uh, and then I'll switch over. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'll uh, we, actually, I'll just, I'll, I'll just add, we, we were talking about him doing the door to door. Um, you know, when I first started this business in 2001, it was a, it was a training business to teach people how to sell. And so we had a patent on recording calls. This is before SAS was out there. And, um, and so we, we would, we would train them, coach them, uh, on these, on this annual program where every month we'd get on and, and listen to their call and coach them anyway, but you know, my background was sales. And when I was 12 years old, I went door to door selling newspapers back when there were newspapers and, and door to door selling candy and chocolates. This is how I learned how to do it. And I, you know, I, I know Jonah heard me talking about this as he was growing up. And then he, he went out and did this on his own door to door. And it was longer than a year. He, he really pushed himself uh, in, in this. It was a grind, but I will tell you, and I, I, I Joan, Jonah would call me up and he'd be like, this isn't working. I need some help. And it was when, you know, and, and me as a coach, as a, as a, you know, this is my life. I work with thousands of people doing this. I was like, this is my boy and he's suffering and I gotta, I gotta give him the best I've got. So, I mean, I would literally drop everything. I just stay on the phone with him because he's out on the street. He just got rejected, you know, 300 times. And he's like, what do I do? Here's what I'm dealing with. And so I, I mean, I remember just feeling this like urge to just pull every trick out of the bag I could 
think of to help him through it. And occasionally he would actually, you know, knock on the next door and, and something cool would happen. But, uh, but it was, it was hard. Uh, this is to both you guys. Is there any, like, I think sales is, is a bunch of like one-liners that help you understand sales, you know, like ABC and all those kind of things. Um, and for me, again, my, the process that I learned was build rapport, ask questions, show value, conclusion, and then follow up. Um, Always the same. Always the same. No matter what the sale is, those are the same points. But then why is one person, you know, we all know that. So why is one able to go do $300,000 in, you know, solar panel sales that year? And another does, you know, 15,000, you know, what makes a difference? And there's a lot, there's a lot of magic to that too, that still has to come out. Well, you can't just mention that comment without me like double clicking. <laughs> so I don't think you better be ready with Look, an answer. I, I will tell you, I will tell you, at 12 years old, I learned the lesson. Like I learned from me and it had to be for me only. That I learned that I could look them in the eye. And, and so I'm big on personality profiling. Like, like who, what are, what, who are they? What do they need? What do they need from me? And I have to be that now. And I've got like two seconds for them, even less. They're going to make a, a, a split second decision the moment they look at me as to whether they like me or not. And that was it. Like I knew that they were either going to buy or not in that first two seconds or I was done for. And I was just backpedaling the rest of the time. So I learned that. And then the, one of the reasons I'm in Prague is I, I, I used to be a, a Mormon missionary when I was 19 years old. And this was right when communism dropped. So I went door to door selling God to communists. And if yeah. you can't imagine, that, that's a harder sale than solar panels, I'll tell you. <laughs> and, and, and but again, it was the same principle. You knock on the door, they look you in the eye and they make a decision right then. And then you go from there. So when I say magic, I think it really is. Can I give them what they need in seconds and then not mess it up for the next five minutes as I close the deal? Yeah, for, for me, um, I always went in the mentality that they're going to remember how you, they, you made them feel, not what you said. Um, 100%. People just don't remember anything uh, for nowadays or back then or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, but they'll always remember, you know, when they see your face, you know, they either get a frown or a smile or, or a smile. Uh, and to me, that was what mattered the most. Uh, but Joan, anything anything to add to that? I had a list of one-liners that I used and I actually pulled it up as we were here talking. So I'd say things like, uh, hey, can I add 30 seconds of your time? My girlfriend usually asks for 30. Or um, let's see, I'm hanging in there like shingles and drywall or I'm on a roll like toilet paper. Lots of these little quick one-liners that you have to have and especially like door-to-door, -door, you're talking to for the first time. Um, that's all I have. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, <laughs> Does not sound like an idiot in the first sentence. Might and maybe that's the combination of all the three things that we just said is is just feeling comfortable with that first sentence and then just seeing where it goes. Um, but yeah, no, I I love this. Is maybe too salesy than marketing, so I'll start to push this in the marketing. I'm a salesperson, so uh, I'll start to push this in the marketing. Uh, but Jeremiah, I kind of wanted to just know how you started the business. Yeah, so I, I was a national trainer at a company uh, that 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 uh, made mystery calls. So we would go out and train. And then they would make mystery calls to follow up on what was trained every month. And then we could come back with a report with to the company. And, and as I'd go around, I was focused specifically on home services, like, or heavy equipment rental, these kinds of things that like plumbing, electrical. Um, and, and uh, they, they didn't like the mystery calls. They didn't like the fake calls. So I think this is true for any business when there's something that people don't like and you have a solution, then you have a business. And uh, the question is, how big of a pain is it? So in this case, it was, well, these clients were quitting. They weren't going to continue to use a fake mystery call. They wanted a live call. 
So at the time, this was in 2000, 2001. So I, I, I knew that this and this and this piece existed, but they, nobody put them together. And so it allowed me to create a patent on a device to get shunted audio. And that was enough for me. Like I could go out and I could raise some money. I could second mortgage the home and I could go out and do it. And I did that. It was August of 2001. And I second mortgaged my home. I bought $70,000 worth of equipment. It's all sitting there in boxes. And guess what happens one month later? Uh, September 11th. And, and the entire industry of any, any extra money being spent, especially on training, just went cold and i show up at a trade show i paid for you know six months later and it was still in january after september 11th cold so when you ask me you know how did the business start in this i mean that was the start the start was i got this great idea i got people who say they want this solution i went out and just doubled down on it my wife said if you don't have anything by 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 thanksgiving you got to go get a job and i'm like i don't got anything by thanksgiving but i'm not giving up on this dream and you just keep going and so how did you get to where you are now? It was on, honestly, like when I look back now, I'm like, man, all I had was a hope and a dream. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do it. I just worked, worked, worked my way through it. And I actually have a good friend who, who was one of my employees, one of my first employees. And I just spent, uh, spent the weekend with him. And his thing was, you just worked so hard. You made up for all the mistakes that you made. I mean, you were working, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. So yeah, half of that was probably a complete waste of time. And the, and, and the other half was probably a complete waste of time. And it was just, you just eventually just plowed your way through it all. I think that's what really happened. Well, then you've obviously seen different waves and changes and everything in marketing. And I would say, obviously, right now, especially with AI and everything, so much changing right now. So do either of you have like a prediction of where you see, you know, whether it's marketing in general or your segment in the next two years and, and then the next question will be 10 years? Yeah, I'm curious, Joan, if you want to jump in on that before I do. You're looking at that every day. Yeah, the simplest when it comes to marketing, I've seen so much automation and using AI, whether that's in running better Google ads or all of the tactics, any social media SEO that the change is huge and it's it's how much you use it and how well can you utilize it is the results you get um, down the road and who, who knows Jeremiah you might have more to add. yeah I, I do have some strong opinions on this like like my first knee gut reaction and this is really interesting because we're only in June and really chat GPT you know it, it was it, it's just this year really when it really went crazy and 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 I was sitting there in January looking at ChatGPT and, 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 okay, what are we going to do with this? How's this going to work out? And the first thing that hit me was, you know, we're going to replace salespeople and customer service people. Like, that's inevitable. That, for sure, in 10 years, the answer to your question, you know, what, two or 10, in 10 years, there won't be salespeople. Like, so we start out, it's interesting, right? We started this whole conversation with this longer discussion around sales and, and, and what it takes, the magic and all that. But the truth is, um, you know, I was sitting there and we have 10 million scored calls, meaning we have literally had a human being listen to 10 million calls and score each element of that call to break it down into components so that we could say these are the key things that did or did not work on that call to lead to a conversion, among other things. And so um, with that, then I can then go back and say, well, who's the best sales rep and what did they do? And then I can take those out, feed it into an AI model and say, now I want you to replicate the best sales practices from these 10 million calls and use that 
for those calls in this industry or this industry. And this. So I already knew in January and I was looking at this and, you know, I was listening to everything I'd get my hands on. Well, that's the future. That's where this is going. That's inevitable. But, you know, I was a first mover already with AI 10 years ago and it was too early. And so you jump in and you invest in it and you go for it. And it was just too early. I should have stayed in the, in the meat and potatoes of, of what we were at the time, which was called tracking. And I should have pushed that because we were doing well with that. We had, we actually were a different brand at the time and we should have kept going. And I, and we were too early. We, we moved too quick into that space and we were the leaders in it. Well, the truth is today we have no edge. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want my clients to know that, but they are now like we have no edge. Like, like it is so like what happens from January to today is that there are, there are a hundred companies and, and, and you can go find them. They're all over the world. There's one in Prague right now. They're, they're doing great. Like, and they, they're all pushing for exactly what I just described. A hundred companies. So, you know, it's not just VHS and beta anymore, right? It's not just that. It's like, there's a hundred companies. They're all grabbed AI and they're saying, we can replicate a salesperson. And I thought I had time. I, I thought I had time. Like I was going to sit back and go, Hey, we got no, nobody else has 10 million calls. Nobody else has that. We've been doing this for 10 years and let's just like get it right. And we've actually built out like a whole sales plan. And but I was taking my time and March comes along. March is not that long in the business world. Right. And, and I'm looking around like everybody else is doing the same thing. Like big companies like Adobe and like Verit, like they're all saying we can do this too. And I'm looking around like, Oh, all right. Well, I guess I wasn't as innovative as I thought, or I didn't have the edge that I thought. So, you know, th- you know, so so it is crazy. Like the question that you're asking, it's just crazy because there is no, there is no. Everybody is pushing and squeezing so hard that it's going to happen faster than ten years. Like it's going to happen because the money's there, the energy's there, and people want to win with that. So, anyway, long term for marketing and sales to answer, you know, a build on what Jonah said, like it's going to happen automatically. Like you got to go and get your coding and engineering degree and figure out how to get your data science, you know, glasses on. And, and that's the play for marketing. I know that it sounds scary and it sounds like, I don't know, like abysmal, like we're all out of a job, but the truth is we are. And we got to change our job. Like I'm sitting here telling you right now that I worked in this thing for 10 years and I've got the edge. And I just told you, I don't have the edge. I don't have anything like, like that's terrible. That's really dark. That's not what I mean by that, but we have some pretty cool ideas and, and, and pretty you know good things we're doing for our clients. And, and, and for the years to come, it, like I said, like I started with, we're still going to be right there. Like, I'm not going to jump ahead and say, you know, we're going to replace all sales and marketing because that would be too early. Right now, it's like, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be right on the edge of the technology. I'm going to make sure every one of my clients can maximize what's available right now until we get to that point. So with everything, you know, like moving quickly and becoming more competitive, how do you guys stay competitive, whether it's against companies the same size or the big guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I, <clears throat> I'd love to say we're innovative. But I don't think anybody is innovative anymore. I mean, there are some, and and then you just jump ahead, and everybody grabs onto that, right? Like we're all we're all using Facebook, we're all using 
Google, we're all like, that's not innovative. We're, we're, we're on the backs of like every marketing company, every agency listening to you is on the backs of every one of these other companies doing that. Like we're not innovative. We're just working harder. And so, you know, it's get that idea out of your head. You're not that special. You're not that great. I mean, I know I sound terrible right now, right? Like this isn't the message, like, but I'm the motivational speaker that had people walking on fire and building people up. But today you got to live in reality. The reality is you're not special and you're not innovative. So what are you going to do? You're going to look at your customer. You're going to look at what you do need to do is make sure you're on the edge. You know what's out there. You've done your homework. You're studying. Like that's why Jonah is here in the business because Jonah is so hungry and he's got the mind of that, that, that this, this generation has where they've grown up with the mobile phone in their hand, grown up in front of all this technology. So he's, he's hungry to be on the edge of all of that. And I've got, a, I've, got, I've got great executives in the business that are as well. So here's the answer to your question. Stay on the edge. Know exactly the best that's out there right now and use it. And if you're not, you're going to get left behind. You're going to get left behind fast. You're going to be irrelevant fast. I mean, it's, it's, it's saying I, I still use my typewriter when there's a computer. Like we've, I've watched these things happen all along the way, but now it's happening. It, it's happening every month right now. It's not six months. It's not a year. It's happening every month. And if you're not, you're not studying it, you don't have your engineering team looking at the newest, best stuff, talking with the top companies who are innovating because they've got billion, trillions, right? They are. And you go and you look what they've got and you use it and you use it and use it. That's the way to do it. Build it in-house, you're going to fail. I'm sorry, but you are. Unless you're the big boys with the big money, you're going to fail. So use the tools, be on the edge, give, give them that. Or I, or I think you're going to get left behind. I had a boss uh, and I love this phrase. He says, you know, when making a decision on especially software and, and just ways to grow the company, it's build by our partner. Um, and there's huge differences between those and, and they can have huge impacts moving forward. So that always stuck to me of, of really, you know, when making a decision, look at the decision as and the benefits and the negatives and everything of, of build. Do you build it? Do you buy it? Or do you partner with the solution? Um, so I think that kind of goes to what you're saying. Uh, I Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I I could personally listen to you talk all day, uh, but I want to know Jonah what it's like working with your dad. Uh-huh. Mm. So there is a. Give me the good mm-hmm. stuff, by the way. I don't want to hear the oh. It's good. <laughs> so the the good thing about working with a dad is I had a a mentor at university, and he was a business professor, and he started a, a chain of trampolines, and I could it's a large company. They're over um, nine figures in valuation. And he shared all these examples of trying to acquire companies, um, other trampoline parks, which is his industry. And they would run into problems of family would work together and it would cause issues and they couldn't buy them because the uncle wanted to not sell his share, do this and that. And the only time that he said it ever worked is if you work with a father and a son or that same relationship, because I, I grew up in my whole life, Jeremiah is a hey, do this, don't do this, being that that figure, that example. And it's the same in business where he's the CEO, I'm his assistant, I do all the dirty work. And I think be, because of that, it works quite well. And we think alike. And for anybody who wants to, father and son, it varies a lot based on what the direction and the values of them are. But in general, I think it's the just about the only time family and business can work is when that clear dichotomy of father, son, or CEO and employee works. Well, and, and let me, let me add to this, that, that 
it it works because he's hungry and he wants to do this. He he was pre med uh, and 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 doing very well. He's a very smart kid, so I think that that also helps. Um, but you know, he was an intern. He was working here part time, and he just fell in love with it. And um, and I've been pushing him into medicine since he was. 12 years, 10 years old, something like this, you know, this is the direction. And, the, and it was during the recession, you know, when the recession hit, I'm sitting there going, this is hard work being an entrepreneur during a recession. And there's going to be more that come. So I want you as a young man to know that the future, you'll always have a job if you're in medicine. So that's what you need to do. And he pushed himself. He was top of his class in this and that. And, um, and he got into, you know, a great program. And, um, but I think in the end for him, it was, what do you love? And of course, any good parent, in my opinion, the definition of a good parent is let let foster what they love. If they don't do what you want, foster what they love. And in this case, he loved this. And so, you know, try and put some wind behind that sale. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with that. Do you ever do you ever throw him to the wolves and let him kind of like yes. flat on his face? Or are you more, yes. like, uh, let's make sure you're ready for something before we put you out there? Yeah, well, well, of course, I take those steps until I think he would be. But, right. you know, let me let me back up because there's, there's a good point to that. Let me back up because um, I, I I told him at a very young age, my job is for you to be better than me. If I do my job as a father, you're going to be better than me in every possible way. And um, and I think that that's a bit stuck with him. I mean, if, if you really got into his head and I think I know my son pretty well. He already knows he's better than me. And I, I read it on him all the time and he, he can't hide it. Like he already said, I know I'm already going to blow way past him. Like he knows that. Right. So, so apparently I inculcated this idea into him so that he's, he's like ready to, he's ready to take it all over and, you know, whatever the psychology is, kill the dad and move on, whatever, you know, get the kingdom. So that's already there. But then, you know, fast forward, like last year, uh, um, I, I tasked him with reaching out. Like we did an acquisition last year with one of a smaller competitor of ours and, and, and his task, this was really early on for him. This was early last year. And, and, and he was tasked with call all of these companies all over the world. And so it took him a few months to really get in the groove, but we, we, we called and spoken with many of them and spoken with investors and built decks. And he was involved in every piece of that. And at some point I was like, keep going. Like I didn't even have to get on the calls and he could just run it. And that was the throwing to the wolves piece was, you know, eventually he ended up finding the company or managing through the whole process. We closed the deal and, you know, it's been a year and it's been successful. So it, it turned out to be um, a, his biggest move really to date. And we can quantify it as a, as a huge win for the business. So when Jonah, when you're about to shit your pants with something, right? Like you just don't feel prepared or not prepared, but you know, you just haven't done it ever and you're doing it for the first time do you like tell yourself anything are there any like uh you know to the trade or anything like that there's two frameworks the first one is talk to my father does he know anything or know anybody who would help and the second and this might be a little nihilistic but it's simply thinking if i was to zoom five or ten years into the future okay so i'm i'm 22 and i'm 27 talking to jonah now um, would this decision impact me? Would I, how would I feel about it? And what would I tell myself? And usually it's pretty simple, either from advice from Jeremiah or others, or from myself introspectively looking in hindsight to, to know what to do. And 
to and even if I don't know exactly the steps to take to feel comfortable with the outcome. I know. I love that. How old are you again? I'm 22, almost 23. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Uh, that's that's a, it's a different angle that I take. And I really like that and appreciate that. For me, what I do is, is if I'm ever doing something that like brings on nerves and I've never done it before, I actually try to like appreciate. I say like, this is a position, especially when you're running a company or something like that. And you're in a position that most people your age aren't in. Um, I kind of sit there and I say like, it's actually an honor to have these nerves. So like, let me appreciate these nerves rather than like push them away. Um, that, to- that eventually turns you into a adrenaline junkie, I think. And now I'm like chasing those nerves and everything, but, uh, no, I love that. Um, I don't know if he, re- I don't know if Jonah remembers, but he, he did point out early on that he felt the imposter syndrome. And so I think he did have to deal with that, uh, coming into this. My, my quick opinion on imposter syndrome, not to say I'm right or wrong, but um, I think it's very natural. And I, and I think if you understand that, like a lot of people get it to me that like that, just understanding that other people get it, I think actually brings comfort. Um, like it's a normal thing to have. I, if you don't have it, you probably just have an ego the size of, you know, Croatia. Um, so try and try to. And, and I, but I would say, I would add to that, that I, I've had the opportunity over the two decades building this business to spend time with a lot of CEOs and CEOs of publicly traded companies. And when they're one-on-one with me and they're confiding in me, they all say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I get, I get scared. I know, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I, I consult people the best, but the truth is, is I'm scared uh, that I'm going to, I'm going to fail and lose it all. And I, honestly, I would say every CEO I've spoken to when they're, when they're, when they're back there being truly honest with you, that's what they, that's what they've told me. And, I, and I'm sure I shared that with Jonas so he could deal with that himself. I, I'll extend one more example. Uh, to me, I had this was like a very powerful thought for me that like confidence is the same when you walk around, uh, especially when you're younger, you're in college and high school and everything. You realize that like not that many people are really confident and some people pretend to be, but you can see right through it. And to me, again, that just brought so much more comfort of being like, oh, it turns out everyone's not confident. So like that just brought confidence in me. So getting off topic, but I thought it was kind of related. Um, yeah. That. A uh, couple questions at the end um, to either of you guys. If you could teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Mm. Yeah, go for it, Jonah. You got some. So I, it, with my marketing role at Conversa, I do anything with Google ads, SEO, and then direct outreach campaigns and email campaigns. So that's, and I am involved with other stuff, but that's, that's the core. And the biggest advantage that I've had is using AI and other tools to make everything go faster and be better. So if you're writing content or making a landing page and you don't use SEO surfer or these other platforms, you're, you're, there's other people that are, and they're going to get ahead. And if you're doing Google ads and you're not doing the same thing with using AI for both speeding up the copy creative process, the testing, the ABs, then you're also going to fall behind. And so for any marketer, it's un- until you have skill, and I, I do not claim in any way to be a professional or, or have tons of skill. Um, I, I tell myself all the time that uh, the, the simple equation for success is volume and then quality or skill. And this is the same, I think, with marketing or sales or business. And if you're not Elon Musk and have such a high skill ceiling that you can do a little bit and get a lot of result, then the only lever you have is volume. And so the simple advice is you, you can either have volume or be really good and you have to 
spend lots of time to get really good. So take action. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. So, so I would say I, I was, um, every, every week I get on the team in my business and I listen to their calls. I do. So essentially we're eating our own dog food and, uh, you know, that's what we do for our clients. We're going to do that here. Um, and, and specifically what we do, by the way, is we take conversations that our clients mostly over the phone, but it can be anything. And then we give them back the data that allows them to improve that, uh, through manage their team with the insights. Right. So that's what I'm doing. And I'll, and, and, and so I'll get, I'll get a call from, uh, in this case, it was, uh, uh, Mar- Marty and she's on with a client and the client doesn't pay us much. Like this, this, we have, we have one client that pays us over 50,000. We have another client that pays us $49 a month. Um, and, and, and this particular client, when we listened to the call, it was obvious that they were an agency that could use our service for, you know, a hundred of their customers, which would significantly increase their business with us. Um, but only one customer had requested in this case to have their calls tracked so that they could um, see the value that they were getting from the agency. That was the whole point of our business was give your give for, for marketing agencies to take our data and show the client, their, their client, that they're improving performance, that they're proving, improving sales. But this particular customer is like, well, I only do it for this one because they asked for it. And we weren't, so I'm kind of going all around with this. The so Marty wasn't asking them, hey, can we talk to you about your other clients using this? Because, um, you know, that's sales and it's hard to sell and she's in customer support. And so you're not sure about how to do all that. But that's the, that, so, so the answer from, from a feedback standpoint is we have a lot of marketing agencies that don't use data to convince their clients why they should stay with them longer. That's a pretty simple concept. Like, you know, you're spending five grand or whatever it is on us and we're driving traffic for you. And that traffic either is or isn't working. And we're going to show you specifics that help you with that. And they're not doing it. The more granular you get, the more detailed you get with the information that you can provide, the, the, the more success that you're going to have. And so that would be my advice for agencies is not just us, but in any way, get as much data as you can. If it costs you $49, but you have you know, $5,000 spend, that's a nothing to be able to come back to them and prove the value of what you're doing. Yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. I'm going to scrap my last two questions and ask something that I find a little bit more interesting. Um, <laughs> Jonah, what do you think your dad could have done better during this call? Oh, wow. Oh. You're going right at it, John. <laughs> um, Coming back your way, so watch out. <laughs> this would be more personal preference than, <laughs> than per se, whether he did it right or wrong. I like to get into tactics and be very direct. And there, there's a joke that on our executive team that you could uh, – put a nickel into Jeremiah and he could go for four hours. And <laughs> so um, I, I would have been a little more on, on exactly the tactics, but that, again, that's more personal preference and no, no dig in any way. <laughs> All right. We're flipping it over. We'll he's, 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 he's forcing it. Well, it's pretty obvious, Jonah, you're on camera and you're putting your hair in front of the camera. So <laughs> like the whole time I wanted to tell you this and, you know, I didn't do it until the very end. So like, recognize, to get look in the camera, look at the camera. 
<laughs> That's amazing. All right. I do want to ask my last question that I always ask because it's my favorite question. Uh, any book or podcast recommendations? Well, I, the first book I read from the very beginning, I told my my infancy story is 48 Laws of Power. Uh, I will tell you that when my, you've got it up there. I will tell you that when I, my, my father-in-law saw me reading it and I've got it all marked up every single page. I think I've read it three times. Um, you know, he said, this book is pure evil and, and gave it back to me after reading, I don't know, two chapters. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, but in my opinion was sure it is pure evil and I want to know all the evil out there so I can use it uh, to protect myself against it. And uh, so that book was very fundamental for me to, to see how the world worked. And I found it to be true. John, anything on, on your side? Any uh, recommendations? I, I There's so many common business and marketing books, and I, I want to do something a little different. So a, a book that I loved was, and notice my, my hair is not in the feedback. So I, it's called Unapologetically Ambitious. And it's a story of a... African-American woman, she was born in, I believe, the 60s, and she went, her her whole life goal was essentially to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and this was at the time when woman in the workforce, let alone African-American, was just, just not seen, and it goes through her whole life story of how she started and as she grew up and how she, the steps that she went through to eventually hit that goal. And for me, that was, it was one of the most inspirational stories and there wasn't any tactics where I should do this or, or not do this, but the drive and methods that she used to, and, and how she lived her life to reach that goal was very impactful for me. So unapologetically ambitious. All right. You gave such a good answer. I, I got to ask you, do you have another one? Another book? Sure. Oh, I, I read often. Um, too much maybe and <laughs> you can pass you already you already you already checked that the question off uh, but I'll, again. i can i'll throw out another one that i that i really enjoy and so this is a it's a book by and this is more marketing specific um joel Irway, and it's entirely about creating a offer that people love and th there's similar um books and whether it's alex hormozzi 100 million dollar offers is a well-known one um, but it was it was very direct and specific on the marketing and how you would create an offer that for he did it specifically for coaches and high ticket clients. But I think it works quite well with the agency model hmm. of how to make an offer that agencies people would want to use your agency for and then deliver on that on that offer. So another one that I enjoyed. Kind of, I don't know if it's similar, but kind of just made me think of Purple Cow, um, which is a hmm. phrase all the time. Uh, and as, as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Converza.com, C-O-N-V-I-R-Z-A.com. And ultimately, this is this is about AI uh, uh, actionable insights. It's being able to get data from your conversation to convert more. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can continue getting the highest quality guests. And as always, thank you for listening. Jeremiah and Jonah, love this episode. Uh, I told you it was going to be a little bit more unique on my side, which it was. And uh, I got some fun questions out there. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Josh. It was great. Appreciate it. 
Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.